Well, hey, uh, my name is Brent. Um, I might be familiar to some of you, some of you not so much. Um, when this was Wasatch Church back in the day, I was a youth pastor here for like 13 years. And then when it became Alpine Church, an Alpine campus, um, I, did the, I was an outreach pastor here, did a lot of stuff in Ogden and took people all over the world and stuff like that. And so now, for the last three years or so, uh, I work at the YCC Family Crisis Center. Uh, it's a domestic violence shelter in Ogden. So I run the youth program for the kids that come into our shelter. I also travel around in all the schools in Weber County in the health classes, and I talk to kids about healthy relationships and about safe dating and dating violence and stuff like that. So I have a pretty fun job, um, and I get to come here sometimes, and I think because of what I do, I think they chose me to come and speak about this topic today because it's, it's, it's a fun topic, let me tell you. So um, before we get into all that, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. How you guys doing? Thank you so much. Anybody get chocolates or get roses or get breakfast in bed or something? Don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what happens in your house on Valentine's Day. So, My Valentine's Day, not recently, but when my son was still in junior high and high school, I coached his soccer team um, for many years. And this weekend, President's Day weekend, we were always driving to St. George for a soccer tournament. And so Valentine's Day for me and my wife usually looked like me and a bunch of boys hanging out at, you know, eating a romantic dinner at Wendy's in Nephi, like on the way to St. George. And so looking at all the parents, nobody's having a romantic time with that. But today is a fun, special day for Valentine's Day. I don't know if you got your significant other a card or anything like that. Some of you look at me like now, like I just reminded you to do that. So that's a good thing. Um, I have some fun Valentine's cards that I found that I wanted to show you that I thought were appropriate for the world we're living in now. So I like that one. <laughs> Bernie just makes me feel warm for some reason like that. Um, or there's Dr. Fauci says, wash your hands, stay home, and happy Valentine's Day. Um, I, he doesn't look, I don't know. Anyway, okay. I can't mask my love for you. It's very appropriate. Um, just saved tons of money. Well, Valentine's Day, everybody's switching to sing. What? I don't know how that got in there. I don't know where that came from. Um, this is the Valentine's card I got from my wife today. She loves The Bachelor, and I think I'm better looking than him. So I put my face over his face, um, is what I did. So that's what I'm giving my wife for Valentine's Day today. So I don't know if she'll like it, so she'll just roll her eyes at me. Um, so we are talking about love, a greater love. And so Valentine's Day is a day that we focus on love. Obviously, we love each other on other days besides Valentine's Day. But today, I think all of us, whether we're single, married, dating, whatever, I think we all want to feel loved. And you came to the right place, because today we are talking about love, that's for sure. So not a love that comes and goes, not a love that's manipulative, not a love that's controlling, nothing like that. We're talking about a greater love. And so this is love that's communicated, that's displayed in God's word. And so these three weeks, we're talking about three words in Greek, that, are, that all have to do are all different ways or different things about love. And so last week, Joel talked about agape love, this unconditional, this self-sacrificial love that comes from God to us, that we can see displayed in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we can have by having faith in Jesus, we can have that unconditional self-sacrificial love. And then Joel talked about how we're supposed to give that love to others. When we receive it to God, 
We give it away. We love others as much as God loved us. And I don't know if you remember that example he told where he was wearing the what would Jesus do bracelet, right? And somebody cuts him off and he wants to flip him off. And he's like, oh, I'm wearing the bracelet. And he's like, I wouldn't do that. And I wouldn't do that either. I'd take the bracelet off first. I wouldn't do that. Just kidding. So, so this is... This is this is this agape love, what we're talking about with this arrow love, kind of goes hand in hand with that. It comes after agape love. And so I want to make sure that you guys know there's some little kids in here. Um, this is definitely a PG-13 sermon. Um, it's going to get real awkward in here real fast. And so they might hear some words, your kids might hear some words that you might have to have a lot of questions and conversations later when you get home today. So we're going to be talking about S-E-X, and I'm not going to spell it every time. So just so you know. So that's the plan, because this Eros love is very, very different. Um, so historically, what we know about Eros um, it basically was, it's a sensual love, it's a, it's a love, it's a feeling of arousal, it's love between two people that are physically attracted to, to each other. It's where we get the word erotic from, is from eros, and in Greek mythology, it was the name of the goddess of love. When the Romans came around, they started calling this Cupid, which is where we get this weird little fat angel with wings that shoots arrows at people. So it's all this weird thing that we get from Valentine's Day. So historically, though, eros love has really been distorted. Um, it's really been manipulated. It's really been a thing where it's all about desire, where there's no boundaries. Um, and so not what God intended it to be, um, definitely not what God wants it to be today. And so we are going to be talking exactly what God's idea for Eros love is and what he wants it to be and how that applies to our lives. So pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much that you gave us an amazing example of what love is, Lord, by your death on the cross. Lord, you have given us just this unconditional love, this self-sacrificial love by your death on the cross. And God, you still love us through your resurrection and the life that we can have. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to learn this morning, God, how that practically works out in how we love our spouses. Um, God, how to be single, um, how to date, and how to be pure. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give you this definition of eros. Eros love is physical intimacy between a husband and wife in marriage. It is a gift from God. So we see this displayed in the Old Testament. The word eros actually is not in the Bible because during the, the times where the Bible was written, it was manipulated so much by that Greek, Greek Roman echo kind of error that, that they just didn't put it in the Bible. But there actually in the Old Testament, there is an entire book that displays and symbolizes and talks about this idea of eros love. I don't know if any of you have read Song of Songs. It's in the middle of the Old Testament. It's about, only about eight chapters long, but it has some of the most sensual, passionate, intimate, different language in the entire Bible. And this is where we get our idea of Eros love and what God intended it to be. It's, it's very, very physical and very, very sensual intimacy, in, especially within marriage. And so before we jump into like the Song of Songs, we're going to go way back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, God created Adam. Adam named the animals. Adam's hanging out with the animals. Adam is in charge of the land and the, and the Garden of Eden. And then God looks down and says, wow, Adam's kind of lonely. It's not good that Adam's alone. I'm going to create a companion for him. So then Adam takes a rib out of Eve and, or out of, God takes a rib out of Adam and creates Eve. And so I'm going to show you this verse 
This is Adam's first words when he first sees Eve. This is what he says. At last, this one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she's been taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one or into one flesh. So I don't know if you can see the excitement in Adam. It's almost like he's like, Eve, where have you been all my life? And all of a sudden, there's this beautiful woman standing in front of him. I mean, he's got to be pretty excited at this point. And so this is an incredible thing for a gift that God gave to Adam was a companion, was a woman. And so this is this first time that God uniquely created a relationship. God uniquely created a new relationship. He created marriage at this point between Adam and Eve. And so this was an incredible thing to see that Eros love unites Adam and Eve into one flesh. And that's literally that one flesh is a physical, passionate, intensive Eros love is what that is. And so we see that marriage, that sex, that Eros love that are all instituted by God in the first place. God, the act of, the act of sexual intimacy is a symbol. It's, it's the practice. It's the ritual of uniting with your spouse in Eros love is exactly what that is. And so Eros love, we have to understand that this is actually a good thing. It is a special gift from God. When I do premarital counseling, before I do marriages, we talk about how he is your gift. She is your gift. You are a gift to each other from God. And so Proverbs, uh, this, this is the thing. Physical intimacy, since it is a gift from God, we should practice it in marriage. Can I get an amen for that? We should practice that in marriage, right? And so this is what Proverbs 19 or Proverbs 5 says. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. What? The Bible says this? Yes, it does. This is in Proverbs. Read Song of Solomon. It gets even more. And so this is exactly what God is talking about. He's saying that we should use this arrow love to satisfy one another in marriage. And so it is mutual enjoyment. I'm just going to say this, all right? I'm just going to say this since we're already talking about awkward and comfortable stuff anywhere. Isn't it great that sexual intimacy feels good, that God created it to feel good, that God created it to be enjoyed. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I think that is amazing. I think that is a great gift that God has given us. In contrast, what we read and see and hear in culture is very, very different. It's, I feel like it's not taken seriously as much as God wants us to take it seriously. It's not within commitment all the time. A lot of people think that they can do it whenever with whoever they please anytime they want. And so that's the culture we live in that's the opposite of what God intended Eros to be. This passage says that it should be within a long, lifelong, committed, lasting relationship. It's an expression that we have of our love with our spouse is what Eros love is. It's that expression of the love that we have. It's expression of that. It's within a commitment. It's within a lifelong love, your love of your life. That should be where Eros love is demonstrated. So, but unfortunately, we live in a culture that you can, it's a hookup culture. That's what we live in. And so I work with a lot of young people, and a lot of them are on Tinder looking for dates. And what they tell me that Tinder is not just like, I want to meet somebody I want to marry. Tinder, a lot of times, is a hookup app 
where they just like are looking for someone to hook up with that night or that day that they've never met before. And they say if they really want to get to know the person, they actually early in the date have to have that conversation. Hey, I'm not here just to hook up. I actually want to get to know you. I think that's sad. I think that's a sad thing that the culture that we're living where Eros love is kind of distorted. Um, it's definitely something that's unhealthy. And so in contrast, what we see in the Song of Songs is really a whole eight chapters of poetry honoring marriage. It is some, have some of the most sensual statements that you're ever going to see in the Bible, but it's between a husband and wife, and it's love that's communicated between them, and it is a beautiful thing, and there's even a little bit of mystery within it. And it's this incredible, incredible book. Don't read it till you're married. And so the theme is a committed, lasting, loving, and passionate marriage full of intimacy is the theme of the Song of Songs. It says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal over your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy as enduring as the grave. And so we cannot just only base any relationship, especially our marriage relationship, just on sex. Like that, this is talking about commitment and passion and lifelong commitment to someone, but we can't just base it on sexual intimacy. So agape love, the highest form of love, you have to have agape love first before you have eros love. You can't have them backwards. And so agape love, this unconditional, self-sacrificial, committed love to someone, you have to have before you let the eros love take over. And so that's the highest form of love. You have to have it in that order. So with that in mind, this is our first point. Eros love intensifies with selflessness, which is agape love, and is diminished by selfishness because God's good eros takes work. And so you can be, if you have great agape love for your spouse, you're going to have great eros love. But if you don't, then it's going to be worthless and it's not going to last. That's the difference. Well, I remember some friends in college, they'd be sitting around talking about their girlfriends and all this stuff they'd be with them and all these gross things and they would look at me and I was like this, like, I felt like I was a Puritan. I'm like, I'm saving myself for marriage, you know? And they'd be like, dude, you gotta like, don't you gotta test drive the car before you buy it? I'm like, that is like one of the crudest things I've ever heard anybody say. But that's their, that was their attitude, you know? But if you base, that, that attitude is basing your whole relationship on sex. And if you do that, what's going to happen when it becomes routine, when it becomes a little boring? You're going to go look for somebody else. You're going to see this other attractive person. You're going to be like, I wonder what intimacy is with that person. I'm going to leave this person for that person. And it's just this downward spiral. That's eros before agape. That's why people have affairs, because they're looking for something else. And so, and unfortunate, that's a lack of commitment. So if your relationship is all about sexual intimacy, it's going to be really tempting just to leave when things get routine, and things do get routine. And the reason is, is because we're all selfish. We're all very selfish. We want our needs met first, right? We want somebody to please us. When we look at ourselves like that, it's a very selfish thing. We, want, we only pay attention to things as long as they can satisfy us, and that is not Eros love. That is being very, very selfish. We think once the fire is gone, I'm going to find the fire somewhere else. And that is not a lifelong commitment to someone that you love. It's not what the Bible says at all. Love based on feelings and emotions, it's eventually going to disappoint us. Love based on that are only focused on selfish needs is never going to last. 
And sadly, our world is very, very confused about marriage. Obviously, there's so many people living together. There's people that have sex before marriage. Divorce rate is crazy. And that happens because people don't know how, what Eros love is. They don't know what agape love is. And it just affects their marriages. And so this is what Song of Song says. I slept, but my heart was awake. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. And so here, this is like this part of this book, she's having like this dream where she like her and her husband got in a fight, you know, when I get in a fight with my wife, I call it intense fellowship. But like, you know, here they had a fight and like she basically kicked him out, but then she woke up and she regretted it. And then she went searching for him, looking for him all over the place and she couldn't find him. She wanted to reconcile with him, with whatever was going on. And so the truth about Eros love and marriage is that you know this if you've been married for any long period of time. The passing of time, kind of, you lose that spark, right? You kind of lose that desire. There's, there's like, you know, pressures, there's money, there's things at work, there's all these things. And then you have kids, and it's like, like that whole spark and that fire kind of goes out, and you can get to the point of like, well, maybe we're not even in love anymore. That's what happens in marriage, unfortunately. And that's why we have to do, that's why Eros takes work. It takes work to be able to get that passion, that spark, that flame back in our marriages. And that is what God wants for us because this is a special gift that God gave to us. And he wants us to enjoy each other. So we can have expectations that are unmet, that are unspoken, all these different things. But that's not what God intended for our marriages to be. He wants them to be fun and exciting and serving one another and doing all these different things. And so Eros love may fade away. However, Eros love can grow stronger if we have agape love first. If we're serving each other, it'll only intensify Eros love. And so we can, if we communicate with each other, we can rekindle that love. We can, if we have her committed to each other, we can renew that love. If we, we can have a romance relit into a fire once again. If we communicate, if we take the work that it takes, if we work through those problems when they're small, before they get big, we can do all these things. We can have that Eros love anytime, in any marriage, however long you've been married. But let me be, before we get into the whole, like, how to do that, let me be really, really clear. And I say this because where I work, and this, this is important to me, if you are in any kind of abusive relationship, I am not telling you to somehow make it work and rekindle that fire again. In fact, I might be saying the opposite because agape love is not abusive, right? Agape love is not controlling. It's not having power over somebody else. It's not manipulative. It's not any of those things. And so if you don't feel safe emotionally or physically in any relationship that you're in, you actually may want to do the opposite and think about getting that out of that, of that relationship. And I would love to talk to you about it. Talk to somebody, please, if you have doubts about your relationship. So I just want to have that disclaimer out there. But if you are in a healthy relationship, you can rekindle, you can refire your Eros love. And so the truth is that Eros love takes time, it takes energy, it takes commitment, it takes all those things. It takes work to having thriving marriage. And you have to understand that Eros love is secondary to agape love. Agape love comes first. My wife tells me that I look the sexiest when I'm washing the dishes. 
I can, I can be like, I can come home from the gym from working out and be like, hey, baby. And she'd be like, yeah, if you want to turn me on, go vacuum the floor, you know? And so, like, that self-sacrificial love where you're serving your spouse, that is what boil, that gets your blood boiling, you know? That's what actually will help you with your Eros love. All those things, being putting your spouse above yourself, you have a deeper connection. And when you have a deeper connection, it only just boosts your sexual intimacy with your spouse. And that's how it works. I'm going to give you four things you can do with your spouse. And the first thing is give your spouse the attention he or she needs. Take time to get to know them. This says, I am my beloved's and he claims me as his own. This is a great verse. When my wife and I got married and we got our rings, we actually engraved this on the inside of our rings. Mine says in here, it says, I am my beloved's and hers says, my beloved is mine. And we did that so we can remind ourselves that we belong to one another, that we are committed to one another in our marriage. So I think that's a great little short verse. And so shortly before he wrote this verse, you can read this, you can count. He went through nine body parts of the things that he loves about his wife. I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this. And he was just explaining how well he knows his wife and how much he loves everything about her. It's this incredible, incredible poem that's very intentional. It's very deliberate. It goes on and on with these love letters to one another. And it's an incredible, incredible way for them to show each other how they took the time to know each other. So that is the first one. Give your spouse the attention that he or she needs and know and love your spouse. The second one is encourage and praise your spouse. Don't use criticism, but encourage and praise your spouse, and that will build a successful marriage. Lift each other up. Encourage one another. If you have to have a difficult conversation with your spouse, do it in love at least. Do it in a loving way. Don't use criticism. And so for eight chapters, Aries 2 are praising each other, and I love it because it's a great model for us to have in our marriages. So give your spouse the attention he or she needs, encourage and praise them, and then just enjoy each other. Date your spouse. Don't ever stop dating your spouse. Get away at times with your spouse without the kids. Do those things. Have fun together, delighting each other. Be creative. Be playful with one another. Those are great ways to be able to enjoy one another and create that spark. And the last, so that's enjoy each other, encourage each other, pay attention to one each other. The last one is do whatever is necessary to reassure you are committed to your spouse. There was an older couple in here, first service. I did a ceremony to renew their vows like years ago, and it was awesome. They've been married for like 40 years, and they wanted to do it, and it was incredible. So if you have... If you just want to do that for fun, do it. But if you've had a difficult marriage, you can come to a point where it's like, you know what, we worked through that, let's renew our vows. I think that is a great thing. And so if you're single, don't go into a marriage with a person thinking divorce is an option. Like if that's even in your mind, maybe that's not the right person for you. Divorce should not be an option when you're entering to marriage. And so God intends us to have this deep, peaceful, secure love with the person that you're married to. And he wants us to have an incredible Eros love with each other. And so this is one of the last verses. It says this. Come away with me, my love. Be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of species. So this love between them didn't diminish in its intensity. They were devoted to each other. They were committed to each other. That was the key to their relationship, and it totally lasted. And so the faithfulness of marital love is a reflection of agape love which equals the fruit of Eros love. 
So if you are loving each other, you're sacrificing for another, you're putting your spouse above you, it's going to equal the fruit of Eros love. Agape love gives you great Eros love. And that's how it works out. You have to have it in that order. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, man, what does this have to do with me? I'm single. I'm not dating anybody. I'm not married. You know, I'm a young person. It does have a lot to do with you, actually, because you have to get this in your mind before you start in this, down this road, you know? So this is what this says. Today's culture has distorted view of Eros. God's message is to not awaken love until the time is right. We know if we look back at the Greco-Roman world, when Eros, when they had this idea of Eros, when it was very distorted and perverted, we look at that and we can look at our culture today and say not much has changed. You know, Eros love is very distorted. It's very perverted. It's very unhealthy, unfortunately. And so that's the culture we live in today. You can see it all over billboards. You can see it on your smartphone and advertisements. You can see it everywhere. It's very cheapened. It's very available if you want it from strangers, social media and the internet give us access to all kinds of ungodly, unhealthy things that have to do with Eros love. And so sadly, you can find pornography, you can find strange sexuality anywhere at any time you want. It's very, very readily available. And unfortunately, our kids can see it and see things that you don't even know they're seeing. And they can be very much taken, taken advantage of. And that's the kind of world that we live in. I don't know if you guys know these phrases, but... There's things called thirst traps on, tin, on uh, some of you are laughing about this, yes. Um, things on Twitter and on Instagram where girls are just taking these super sexy selfies of themselves and guys just get totally wrapped up into that and just get addicted to that and things like that happen. There's these things called OnlyFans where these girls get on Twitter or Instagram and you can pay a certain amount of money and they'll send you private pictures and private videos. And these girls are like, think it's great. They're like, I never have to meet this guy. He's paying me all this money. He's paying my way through college. What's wrong with this? You know, and that's the kind of world that we're living in right now where things like that are happening on social media all the time. It's a very cheapened view of Eros love. So the truth is, is that Eros love is manipulated over time. It's, it's very different than what God intended it to be, unfortunately. And so we got to get back to what God intended Eros love to be. And that is incredible intimacy between a man and woman in marriage. And that's what we should strive to in our lives. And so because sexual sin is rampant, we have to talk about this. Engaging in pornography is a sin because it actually ruins the sexual life of people that are married. It destroys Eros love. Infidelity is a sin, obviously, because it breaks that connection and that commitment that you had in your marriage. Sex before marriage is a sin. Because look what this says. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I don't know if any of you remember the story of Joseph, but Joseph was a slave to Potiphar. Potiphar's wife was continually trying to get him to sleep with her. She finally pinned him in her room one day and started undressing him. He knew how wrong that was, so he ran out of the house half naked away from temptation. He literally fleed temptation. And we have to have this conversation with young people. I tell my son, I'm like, when you're dating and you are making out with a girl, it is like running downhill, buddy. It is hard to stop once it starts. And we have to have those conversations with young people, with our kids and those different things because of where Eros love has been. 
And so you see, this isn't a new concept, because in Song of Psalms, it gives us this warning. It's kind of the, a protection for Elvis love. It's kind of a refrain. It's kind of a theme where it says this. It says, promise me, O woman of Jerusalem, do not awaken love until the time is right. That's kind of the running theme through this book. Wait. Purity before marriage is so important. It is so important to be pure and to keep yourself pure. Uh, beside what the world does and distorts it, we have to keep ourselves pure. If you're single, save Eros love for when you're married. If you're married, honor and love your spouse first. Have that agape love first and Eros love will follow. If you're a young person, God has something great for you. Great, great reward for you. But you have to keep yourself pure in mind and body and spirit and heart and all those different things. So when my wife and I got married, on our wedding night, we gave each other a wonderful, wonderful gift. We were both virgins when we got married, and we saved each other. We saved ourselves physically for one another, and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't say that to pat myself on the back because it was hard. It was difficult. It was not easy. There were some blurred lines for sure with boyfriends and girlfriends that we had, but to be able to get to that point in our life was a wonderful, wonderful thing for us. And it's definitely, definitely possible. It is definitely possible. We should not rush in to find Eros love. We don't need to force it. If you were going to be married to someone the rest of your life and be able to have that sexual intimacy the rest of your life, what's your hurry now? What's your hurry now? You're going to be able to do that the rest of your life with the person that you love and are committed to. That's where you want to get to. So even if you have romantic feelings, it doesn't mean that you have to act those out physically. It does not mean that at all. You can have a great relationship without doing that. And so everyone, it's funny, man. I tell people, young people this all the time. All of us, at some point before we get married, when we find that person, you're going to have a conversation. And the conversation is going to be all about your past boyfriend and girlfriends. Trust me, you want that conversation to, to be as short as possible. <laughs> and so do that and live your life in a pure way, and you will. So marriage is this amazing gift that you can give your future, Eros love is an amazing gift that you give your future spouse. How awesome would it be when you get married, someone can say, look you in the eye and say, I save myself physically for you. That's an incredible thing. And persistence and morality and honoring God, it comes with a great reward. We get favor from God, we'll get favor from our future spouse and all these different things. It makes love pure and lasting. And so here's the last verse. I was a virgin like a wall when my lover looks at me. He's delighted when he sees me. And so their love didn't diminish. They built it on a pure foundation, and it lasted, and that's what Eros love is supposed to be. And so I know there's probably some of you in this crowd that's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, but I have failed at this. Like, this was not me. This is something that has happened in my life, you know, once or many times. And I just have to tell you that just like any other sin, it's not the end of the world. It's not something that's going to ruin your life. It's not something that you can't come back from. God is a God of love and forgiveness. We have agape love. We have that unconditional, self-sacrificial, forgiving, restoring, healing love from God. And God can take our sexuality. God can take all those different things. He can take our lives, our innermost things in our lives, and he can heal them. He can restore them. We can recommit to God to, to be able to obey God, to please God in our lives. 
That is the healing and restoration and forgiveness that God gives us, and that's what makes that possible. And that's a lovely, awesome, incredible thing. And so if you're married and you're struggling, I challenge you to really serve your spouse. Put them above yourself. Rebuild that marriage. Rebuild that agape love and that eros love. Read Song of Songs together and see what you think about it. And remember the love that you had years ago. If you're madly in love with each other, that's awesome. Keep it going. That's an incredible, incredible thing. If you're dating, remain pure. Let God honor God in your purity of your life. Um, if you're single, wait patiently for who God has for you. If you're a young person, protect your eyes. Protect what you see and protect your heart. Protect all those things about you and live in purity. So those of us that have failed, you know what? We've all failed. We've all failed and fallen short of the glory of God, right? But that's where God's agape love comes in. That's where Jesus' forgiveness comes in. That's where we can have that restoration and that healing. Agape love, we see it on the cross. We see Jesus die for us. We see all these different things. We can see how we can have that healing and that restoration for our single life, our married life, for our whole life. And that's an incredible thing. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you have loved us, no matter what we've done, thought, or anything, God. You've loved us despite of ourselves, and I thank you for that, God. I thank you for the so many, so many gifts you've given us. You've given us an eternal life, but you've given us a better life, a great life to have here, Lord. And God, I know that many of us have are very thankful for our spouses. We're thankful for our boyfriends, our girlfriends. We're thankful for the love that you put in our life. There's many of us that are still wandering that road, Lord, and I pray that you would help us to understand what purity is, to be pure, God, to be able to have incredible, awesome, agape, and eros love in marriages someday. Lord, I pray that you would protect our eyes, our spirits, our soul, our mind, our hearts, and Lord, that we would live to please a life in every area of our life, God, to be able to please you. In Jesus' name, amen.